Hey folks, before we dive into today's episode, we've got some exciting news for you. Mark your calendars for September 17th to 19th, 2024, because Bioport Atlantic is on the horizon. This marks the 23rd year of bringing together the brightest minds in the life sciences sector. This year's theme, Powered by Possibilities, promises to ignite inspiration and foster collaboration amongst attendees. Whether you are an entrepreneur, a researcher, an investor, or a student eager to dive into the world of life sciences, our conference offers something for everyone. Save the date, and for more details, visit lifesciencesnovascotia.ca slash bioportatlantic, or check the link in our show notes. Can't wait to see you at Bioport Atlantic 2024. Breathing. It has been scientifically proven that if you stop breathing, you will die. Now, you might hear that and have a little chuckle, and I don't blame you. It's a funny little bit. But for some people, that possibility, the possibility that they won't be able to take their next breath, is very real. In fact, let's do something together right now. Wherever you are right now, stop moving. If you can, take a seat. Close your eyes, unless you're driving. Do not. I repeat, do not close your eyes if you're driving. Ground your feet, relax your shoulders, and soften your belly. Take a deep breath in. Fill your lungs until there's no more space. Hold it in for a couple of seconds. And now sigh it out. A deep breath is an incredibly grounding experience. And it's one that more than 1 billion people around the world can't have. From Life Sciences Nova Scotia and Snack Labs, welcome to New Wave, a podcast that explores the pioneers that are shaping the future of life sciences. 1 billion. That is the number of people around the world that live with a respiratory illness. 12.5% of the global population. That is a wild amount of people. It's hard to really wrap your head around that number. Today, we hear the word billion all the time. We've got billion-dollar companies, billionaire people, and billions of people on Earth. It's such a common number to hear in our day-to-day lives that this gargantuan number does not punch us in the gut in quite the way that it should. So, for the sake of really appreciating how many people on Earth have trouble with arguably the most important function of the human body, breathing, let's do a little math. Between when we started counting time and now, which is 2,023 years, there have been 783,395 days. Let's say for some odd reason, you've been alive for every single day since year zero. And now let's say... For some reason, someone has been paying you $1,000 every single day for those 2,023 years. You'd have a lot of money, right? You certainly would. But you'd only be three quarters of the way to $1 billion. Now, after you pick your jaw up off the floor from that simple math, 
Armed with your newfound appreciation for the gargantuan nature of what a billion is, let's talk a bit more about breathing. We're pretty familiar with the process, but are we really? Most of us don't have to think about the breathing process. It happens autonomically, meaning it's involuntary. The brain and the body just know to cycle through this process over and over again. And this frees up a lot of time and energy for us to concentrate on other important things, like finding food and shelter, taking care of our friends and family, and being able to sleep at night. Let me introduce you to Jamie Murphy. My name is uh, Jamie Murphy. I'm a respiratory therapist by background, and I'm also a certified respiratory educator. Jamie is an expert when it comes to all things that have to do with how you breathe. It's you know, a really interesting uh, part of the respiratory system is you know, how breath works. Um, and really, you know, we do it anytime, anywhere between 12 to 20 times a minute you know, for the normal adult. And really, you know, what we're thinking about when we are breathing is you know, the inhalation that happens and the exhalation that happens. When we inhale, we are breathing in oxygen um, into our lungs. Our airways are opening there is a gas exchange at that cellular level um, and we're supplying oxygen to the blood. When we exhale, it's the opposite. We're exhaling out that carbon dioxide. That's the mechanical part of breathing. It's how we get the air from outside in and how we get the air inside back out. But it's been a minute since eighth grade biology. So let's get a little refresher on the chemical process too. So when that breath is initiated, I mean, we're breathing oxygen into our lungs. Um, so when that happens, what we're seeing is gas exchange. So the oxygen is going into the alveoli, and what we're seeing is there, there is a, a gas exchange happening at that level. Through that gas exchange, oxygen is diffusing across the uh, alveolar capillary membrane, and what is happening is that oxygen is binding to hemoglobin. That's what we see in healthy people. What's amazing about breathing is that at the low end of the spectrum, each of us will undergo this process over 17,000 times every day. At the high end, it's almost 29,000. The mechanical and chemical process of this, combined with the amount of times this process takes place each day of our lives, is mind-blowing. And that's why I think it's important to really root today's episode in some context around breathing and just how important it is. Like we've said already, it's just not something we need to think about very often. So although we know that breath equals life, we take it for granted, day in and day out. Okay, let's go back to where we started. More than 1 billion people around the world live with a respiratory illness that impacts every single breath that they take every single day. The most common offender is COPD, or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. COPD accounts for about 55% of respiratory illnesses globally, affecting both men and women at similar rates. While it is true that smoking is the leading cause of developing COPD, this is often a harmful stigma around a disease that is defined by much more than poor lifestyle choices. Air pollution is a major cause of COPD, while simultaneously exacerbating the symptoms of it. And this is happening everywhere. 
not just in far-off countries. In the developing world, major culprits include indoor air pollution from burning coal and wood as a source of heat, while in developed countries, industrialization and urbanization have been degrading the outdoor air quality for over a century. In fact, the highest rates of respiratory diseases are found in high-income regions, while the lowest rates can be found in sub-Saharan Africa. Asthma comes in at a distant second, although it is by far the most common respiratory disease among adolescents and children. Interstitial lung diseases and cystic fibrosis, where scarring develops over time and deteriorates function, round out the most common conditions attributed to respiratory illnesses. If you have a respiratory disease, then chances are high that you treat it with inhaled medication. And even people with conditions like diabetes or Parkinson's disease and schizophrenia might be prescribed some sort of inhaled medicine. So yeah, inhaled medication uh, comes in multiple different forms in terms of the device that is used to deliver that inhaled medication. Essentially, anyone who has any type of respiratory disease is most likely some part of their treatment will be that inhaled medication. So it could be used as a preventative medication, so something that a patient is using every single day to prevent them from having what we consider like a bad day. There's also medications uh, that are used that are fast-acting, that are used as relievers. So for patients who are having acute symptoms. I'm sure you've seen an inhaler at some point in your life, but something that you're probably less familiar with, especially if you've never used an inhaler yourself, is something called an aerochamber. An aerochamber is an attachment for inhalers that make delivery of the medication to the user more effective. Inhalers are actually extremely ineffective on their own. What most people are picturing when they think of an inhaler is the metered dose inhaler. It's been around for close to 70 years, and it blasts out medication at over 100 kilometers per hour. The speed at which the medication is released is a liability. And that's because in order for the patient to properly receive the medication, they need near-perfect technique. But that technique is almost never properly taught. And for many people, it's next to impossible. Think of a child having an asthma attack or someone with advanced lung disease and arthritis. This is where the aerochamber comes into the picture. I am Sarah Fedullo. I am the CEO and co-founder of Polo Medical. I have a background in engineering. Meet Sarah. Sarah is an engineer, and she knows a thing or two about the importance of aerochambers. So an aerochamber is a see-through plastic tube. They have a mouthpiece where the patient's mouth gets in contact with the chamber. And then they have an inhaler port at the very end, on the opposite end, basically. When the inhaler goes in and the medication gets sprayed, the chamber traps the medication. By being trapped, the patient who's having an asthma attack, for example, they will be able to take multiple breaths. Whereas with the inhaler alone, they have one shot to just take it all in. And if you did it with the proper technique, great. Otherwise, you know, the medication is, is wasted. And so the aerochamber helps boost the efficacy of an inhaler so the user doesn't waste their medication and therefore treats their illness more effectively, improving their quality of life. 
Almost every single person you've ever seen with an inhaler is also supposed to use an aerochamber. So why is it that you've never seen one before? Well, in a vacuum, aerochambers are awesome. But outside of that vacuum, there's one major problem, and it's called the human psyche. There was probably four main reasons why patients were not using their chambers. It's a bulky device. It's embarrassing to use. Uh, whether you're an adult or a child, it's just embarrassing to pull out this massive thing out of your backpack, your fanny pack, whatever it is. It is difficult to clean. And for the majority of the times, especially in children, you need help using it because it is confusing to use because of all the indicators and different parts of it. So. Sure, this chamber has been around for over 50 years, but it's never really been designed for the people. It's been designed for the disease. We carry stigmas and taboos with us everywhere we go. We're self-conscious, neurotic, and irrational. We feel shame for all sorts of reasons, especially for illogical ones that are based on how we think the world around us is perceiving our actions and our behaviors. As wonderful as it would be to try and solve that problem, it seems like for now, it is a problem that most of us on some level are stuck with. And it's this aspect of the human experience that prevents something like an aerochamber from delivering its effective qualities to the real life use of an inhaler. It's big, it's bulky, and it puts your treatment and your illness on display. For this reason, aerochambers for all intents and purposes suck. We've already met Sarah, but someone we haven't met yet is her partner in life and in business, David. Yeah, my name's David Hodson. I'm a David is a mechanical engineer, but after working in medical devices, he realized his passion for solving problems in the medical field. And this inspired him to go back to school to study medicine. Medicine with with engineering background and always kind of had, I was always listening for things that just didn't seem to, to sound right to me. This was a couple of years into my degree. And at that time, I, I had a, a heightened sensitivity to, to respiratory illness because my dad, who was like a runner all of his life, um, never had any issues breathing, all of a sudden was now inexplicably short of breath for about for like months at a time, um, really struggling with a lot of the basic uh, things that he he typically would do. And it was just a, a really unusual stark change for him, which it turned out he had this, basically this chronic uh, pneumonia that started to leave his lungs scarred uh, to the point where he started using an inhaler. Serendipitously, around this time, David met Jamie, who was giving a lecture in one of his med school classes. During the lecture, Jamie mentioned something about aerochambers that stuck with David. He mentioned chambers and their proven benefit, but he left left that sentence with a caveat. Unfortunately, they're, they're so bulky, you can't fit them in your pocket, so no one uses them. I think probably because I had that heightened awareness um, at the time, I just couldn't let that phrase go. Uh, and I thought, well, if this is such a, a helpful solution, why should we, you know, basically be shipping around and having patients to carry around what's let's say 90% air, realistically. It's, it's like carrying around an empty water bottle all day. It is truly remarkable how we can have access to something and it can do exactly what we need it to do. But it has a fatal flaw that essentially 
for the majority of people, renders it completely useless. Take flossing, for example. It is conclusive, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that flossing every day is required for good dental health and hygiene. It's just as important as brushing your teeth. But over 60% of adults over 30 either never floss or only floss occasionally. Why? It's cheap and it's relatively simple to do. Well, flossing falls into the category of annoying for a lot of people. They might think it's time-consuming or they don't like the feeling of the string against their gums. But I suspect there's an underlying issue here and I think our faded arrow chambers and inhaled medications can relate. Some things just don't reveal their benefits quickly enough to justify the perceived challenge they pose or the social stigma that they create. When your teeth don't feel clean, you brush them. They feel clean. Immediate feedback that what you did had an impact. And so the result justifies the effort. When you floss, unless you've got something stuck in your teeth, the impact is imperceivable. It's a benefit that accumulates over time with adherence to the practice. In many scenarios, outside of acute attacks, such as in the case of asthma, inhaled medication shares a similar behavior to flossing. When you use your inhaler improperly for the first time, you don't necessarily get any feedback that you used it incorrectly. So you keep using it in the same way. Gradually, over time, you might start to feel like your health is worsening or your symptoms are feeling exacerbated, not under control. Your daily activities might start to suffer which will likely impact your relationships, which can then snowball into mental health issues starting to develop and further impact your health and your day-to-day quality of life. So, yeah, I was born in 1988, and uh, I think when I was 18 months old, I was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, which is a genetic disease, so I didn't catch it. I was born with it. If you've been listening to this show from the beginning, you'll already be familiar with Jeremy. He is one of the producers of this show. He's my best friend, and he intimately knows what it's like to have an issue with his ability to breathe. My lungs, they have this inability to clear out mucus. That mucus kind of builds up in the lungs, and it provides this sort of breeding ground for bacteria. You know, a cold could easily lead to something like really severe pneumonia. Um, There's a lot of coughing that goes with CF, and so the, the, you know, cystic fibrosis, the fibrosis part is um, scarring, like scarring of the lungs. So from the time I was, you know, born until today, my lungs were sort of on this slow but steady decline. I think it was only two years ago, my my lungs were functioning at about 50%. What does breathing mean to you? I mean, for years, I never really knew what it was like to take a deep breath. One of the upsides to having cystic fibrosis is that you, you, you end up with a wicked set of apps. And the reason for that is because of the amount of coughing that you do. So I had this killer six pack, right? Looks great. But functionally, it's actually, it actually poses quite a problem. All that tension in my abdominal area prevents me from actually being able to take this like deep breath. So I went to go see this osteopath and they were like, man, you got a lot of, you got a lot of tension in your, in your core. They go, would you like me to try to release that? And I was like, yeah, sure. And when I took my first breath after that, that diaphragmatic release, it felt like the first breath I ever took in my entire life. It was so intense 
that I could not help, I automatically just wept. Imagine taking a breath in, and when you breathe in, you know, you know how your, 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 your rib cage and your, and your belly, it all expands outwards? Well, as I breathed in, that expansion, it felt like it continued on beyond the, the confines of my body. A couple of years ago, a drug came out called Trikafta, and it was sort of a miracle drug for a lot of people with cystic fibrosis. And it dramatically changed Jeremy's life, including the treatments that he has to do to manage his illness. Instead of using a nebulizer for two hours a day, which is basically something that vaporizes medication, he now gets to use an inhaler, which takes up a lot less of his time. So you've been on Trikafta for coming up on two years now, and I have seen you use your puffer many times. Yeah. I'm with you almost every day of the week, and we spend all day together here at the office. And it wasn't until we started down the path of producing this episode for this <laughs> show that I really learned about arrow chambers. Yeah. And I looked over and thought, huh, I don't think I've ever seen Jeremy use an arrow chamber with his puffer. And I asked you, Jared, do you have one of these things? And you said, yes. Yeah. And I was shocked because I'd never seen you use it in two years. Yeah. Why haven't I seen you use this device? Well, you've seen an arrow chamber, right? I have. I mean, if I'm walking around the city carrying that thing in my pocket, I might get arrested. Do you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. I do know what you're saying. Just okay, for anybody who doesn't know what I'm saying, let me put it in a different hold, way. Hold on, yes. It is very big. It's very cumbersome. It is, it's a, you know, it's, it's not, it's not like, it's not portable. And I know that this is an excuse because I, I also am producing the show and I'm also learning about the importance of aero chambers and it, without using them, how little medication you're actually administering to your own lungs. But the truth is, when I use my puffer here without an aero chamber, I do, I'm not noticing a big difference. And so I've always been a patient. I've, I've always been actually quite a poor patient, really. I think I would, I would say my healthcare providers would think I'm a, I'm a bit of a poor patient because if I don't have a, if I'm not feeling directly the effect of something that I'm taking to help me with my health, I'm probably like not going to do it as much, or I'm not going to think about it, not really worry about it, whether I'm doing it or not doing it. So if I don't, if I don't, if I don't use the aero chamber here at work, and I don't feel it having any kind of effect on me, then I'm not going to think about it. Although Jer may not feel the difference the aero chamber is making, it most certainly is having an effect. On that note, here is a bit more from my chat with David. From a medical standpoint, what are the ramifications on an individual when they are not receiving the amount of medication that they are supposed to receive on a daily basis and how that effect accumulates over time. I'm sort of interested in both the, the both some of like the near term ramifications and the longer term ramifications as well. Yeah, no, I'd say the first, yeah, just with respect to how patients might approach it, they might not even realize it. They might 
just continue to use. For example, if it's a reliever medication, they might just take more puffs and just accept that and think, oh, I'm just supposed to be taking more. Um, and that's the solution. Um, and that can kind of get them over those, um, you know, those, those acute situations. Uh, but again, that, that leads to other problems beyond the medical picture, which play into medication waste, the propellant pollution into the atmosphere and so on. Um, but also a reliance on an inhaler that maybe you don't actually need to be using as many times a day as you are. Uh, so those are all added complexities that come about through um, not using something properly because you're not getting the effect that's intended and you're potentially not realizing it. It's not rocket science as to why we want and need our medication to be delivered to us effectively. We want to avoid all of the negative consequences we just talked about, and Hollow Medical knows how to do that. So the way our brainstorming session started, um, we simply took the most common chamber uh, that we, we knew of, which in this case is stereo chamber. We took a good look at it, and we tried to figure out a way to make that same exact product portable. Basically redesigning it in such a way that it fits into a, a black box that's about the size of a cell phone. So that was like the initial goal. And then we started interviewing patients and baking in any of their feedback into that same construct. The other probably almost as important aspect was creating a novel valve system that makes sure you breathe the same way each time. And we call this flow control. In addition to being portable, our chamber has a specific feature that basically prevents the patients from breathing incorrectly. Current chambers rely on indicators. They have either this flap that tells patients how fast they're breathing, uh, or they have whistles, which have a very similar function. Patients just find it confusing, right? Sometimes the whistle gets triggered because they're breathing too fast. Sometimes they it's triggered because they're breathing too slow. And so from our conversation, it seems that there wasn't a common ground where people could feel confident about using these devices from the get-go without, you know, proper help and, and technique. We wanted to take the burden off of the patient and put it entirely into the device. And so we have created this feature that ensures patients breathe properly with every single use. So those those are the two big features. Beyond that, we wanted to make it something that was like easy to clean. You could literally disassemble essentially in one step and throw into the dishwasher much easier than the current solution. In the medical world, the problem that Hollow is solving is called adherence. At one point in time, it was called compliance, and then we decided to switch it up when we realized that humans aren't very keen on being treated like naughty robots. Adherence is the issue. Remember, we essentially already have the problem of delivering medication effectively all figured out, but it's the aspect of the human psyche that gets in the way of current aerochamber design fulfilling its promise um, as a in real terms of solution. how many patients are actually using them. It's pretty wide estimate, uh, but it's as few as 10% uh, of patients who use a pressurized inhaler actually use a chamber, which is surprising when you realize that everyone is actually recommended to use a chamber because of these benefits. We have 
had conversations with many, many people because we wanted our chamber to be patient specific. We wanted them to feel like this device was built around the problems that they were experiencing. Earlier in the episode, I mentioned something about asthma and kids that would be important to remember. Asthma is far and away the most common respiratory illness amongst adolescents and children. And for all the reasons we've talked about already, it's really tough for them to get the right treatment, whether it's from the stigma they feel around using a bulky aero chamber and thus not using it, or from the difficulty that small children can have, especially in critical situations, coordinating their technique when using their inhaler. This same principle applies to people who live with a myriad of conditions that could affect their strength and their coordination. Hollow solves this problem by relieving the user from the burden of their technique, delivering medication the exact same way each and every time. The impact of solving the adherence problem has world-changing implications. When a billion people live with a respiratory illness that requires them to take inhaled medication, and that isn't being delivered into their lungs properly, even a small improvement in adherence would change the lives of millions of people. How does it make you feel to be building a company that, that can have such an impact? That's, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, a while back, we have put out on our platforms a uh, product waitlist form. We wanted to understand how many people were actually interested in, in our device, how many people feel that our Bracy Chamber could help them. And since then, we've received so many applications and every single one came with a story and every story, I'm not even joking, gets me sobbing every single time. <laughs> it's either the, um, the son that is, you know, wants this device for their mother, grandmother, or it's, you know, uh, the parent that wants it for their kid, or people just want it for themselves. Um, and the aspect that gets me sobbing every single time is um, some of the details that they put in these stories, like saying, I just want my family member to go back to gardening and and growing the roses that they've, you know, they've loved their entire life and now they can't do that anymore. It's those stories that help me push through um, the experience of entrepreneurship. In a world where you can get your hands on a product like the Breezy Chamber that Hollow Medical is developing, do you want to use that? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, like... I Again, like I said, I do use my aero chamber because I want I, I don't want to have to go back to using my, my nebulizer. So I use the aero chamber at and by the way, I, just just so we're clear, because you have not shut up since we started doing this episode and like giving me a hard time. I got a second aero chamber. It's here at the office. I do use it now. Yeah, thank you. Okay. So yes, I, I use my aero chamber, but I if if the aero chamber was better. I would gladly be using it out and about. You know, I don't. I, I wouldn't have to keep an aero chamber here and keep an aero chamber there and hide one somewhere else in the city to like, you know, just I slip it in my pocket and not feel weird about it. 
As Hollow Medical continues in its research and development, the potential grows ever larger that hundreds of millions of people on our planet will find relief from the symptoms that arise from a disease that they didn't ask for. And they'll find that relief in a form that circumnavigates the problems that arose from the attempts of their predecessors. When you live with an illness, stigma is like water. It finds a way in. It creeps its way through any crease or crevice it can find and it can erode one's confidence and self-esteem like the ocean, slowly chipping away at the shoreline over centuries, leaving an isolated island where a towering landmass once stood. When you can treat your illness discreetly, on your own terms, you can stop the erosion in its tracks. And that's exactly the mission at Hollow Medical. New Wave is a Life Sciences Nova Scotia podcast, and it's produced by Snack Labs. It's written and hosted by me, Taylor McGilvery, and it's edited by Brian Stever, Jeremy Saunders, and me. Sound design and engineering by Donovan Morgan. Special thanks to the team at Life Sciences Nova Scotia, Sean Awalt, Doris Grant, Carrie Manette, Kira McGlinchey, and Lorianne Coring, And to our guests, 